0: You are listening to a message from the Living Word Community in Center City, Philadelphia. We are followers of Jesus Christ, called to love God and love people, to share Jesus and help people experience true life change that can only come from knowing Him. We hope that you enjoy this message today. Excuse me. They put so much pressure on me. I don't know. (laughs) I hate it. (laughs) Whatever. (laughs) I hate it, I can't stand it, but uh, but God is good, amen? Amen. All right, all right, so. So we've been reading um, Isaiah, right? How many people have been reading Isaiah? I I know I ask this every time I preach, right? And I'm like, who's following along with us in our reading, blah, 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 you know? And... um, but, uh, yeah, I I do. It's good, though. It's good to do it together. It's good that we can, uh, read something together and, and just worship along, uh, uh, study along together and do all those things. So, uh, let's pray. I need to. Dear Lord, we just come before you. We just thank you for your goodness, for your mercy, for your love. Lord, we thank you for today, um, Lord, we can come together and we can worship you together as a congregation. Lord, people on Zoom, Lord, they can also worship. We're all together, even though they're they're online. And and um, you just, yeah, but they, we can all participate together in worshiping you, Lord. We are a congregation. We are a community, Lord God. And I just thank you that we can um, uh, just be here and love on you, Lord, love on each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So like I said we've been reading through uh, Isaiah and Isaiah's hard you know because <laughs> you're reading all these things and uh, and there's all these prophecies and all these things going on and but it's good it's good to see what what, what God has has put in front of us what the Lord has uh, um, opened up for us what he's what the the things that that we can see foresee for in the New Testament and things like that and as we go through we've been reading through the book of Isaiah like I said and uh, we're almost at the end you know we're today we're at Isaiah 61 and this book has a ton of prophecy like I said and and about the Messiah and this chapter that we read today is no different because today we're reading through Isaiah 61 and the funny thing there's a funny thing just, little side story uh, I'm a guy I like don't like musicals right I don't like musicals you know like you watch a movie and people break out in a song you know musicals yes musicals I, I apologize I, I can't I'm not the biggest fan of musicals, and like if I go to the if I go to the theater, okay, that's fine, that's understandable. But if I'm watching a movie and people are walking down the street and they're singing a song and, and things like that, that doesn't work for me, you know. However, I do it all the time, right? <laughs> it's, it's it's like it's it's crazy. I do it all the time. So my my kids might say something, or someone might say something, and a song would just come out. Because I have all these songs in my head, <laughs> different genres, different whatever from, you know, the 50s to, to present day. And it, it'll just pop in my head because they might say a word. And when we started, when I was reading this, when I was preparing um, uh, for for today... I'm like, oh my goodness! The song just kept coming into my head, coming to my head, and it's an old, you know, worship song, and it's like, you know, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon us, you know. And I'm like, oh my goodness! This, I love that song, and I'm like, that just kept going through my mind over and over and over again. But, but if my kids might say something, I might just break out in the song, you know. And and I hate it when I watch it on t on a TV on a movie or whatever it might be, but I do it all the time, and so. Anyway, let's read. (laughs) Let's read. All right, so Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from the darkness and release from darkness for the prisoners. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. And provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of spirit, uh, of a spirit of, of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. They will, they will, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places along the, devas- the devastated places long devastated they will renew the ruined cities and they have uh, that have been devastated for generations strangers will <laughs> shepherd your flocks foreigners will work your fields and, and vineyards and you will be called priests of the Lord you will be named ministers of our God you will feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you will rejoice uh, in your inheritance. And you will inherit a double portion in uh, in your land, and, and everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations. And all who see them will acknowledge that they are people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness, as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up and the garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. It's good stuff. You know the scripture opens up uh, about the Messiah, and it talks about what he would do, and the life we will lead, and what a life it is. The afflicted will hear good news. It would be like music to their ears, right? The broken-hearted would would uh, have their wounds bound and healed, and the captives of all of all walks of life, and all manners of prisons, will be set free. When Jesus started his public ministry, <coughs> excuse me, he went to his own t- his own hometown. You know, and entered the synagogue, right? And he was called upon to read a scripture as was the custom of the Jews. And he opened up the scroll and maybe, you know, it was an assigned reading, you know, or it was chosen by him. You know, nothing out of the ordinary so far. And the scripture was, 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 was the same one that we're reading today, you know, in our corporate, our corporate Bible reading, the one I just read. He read out out loud saying, The Spirit of the Lord God is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Great words, right? Great words. I'm sure everyone who heard them enjoyed them. You know, having finished the, the reading, he sat down. Again, nothing out of the ordinary. No same old thing. Yet something in the way that Jesus spoke, how he read those words that made all who, you know, who they're sitting or who, all who were there, you know, they, they, were there, they were there with their eyes fixed on him, transfixed on him. No, even after he had finished reading, even after he had sat down. And then Luke 4 21 and 22 says, He began saying to them, today, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. No, all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son? They asked. Now, things were definitely out of the ordinary now, completely out of the ordinary. The members of the synagogue were, uh, thought they were <laughs> going along to their normal Saturday uh, meeting, right? They got so much more than that. Jesus said, today, this scripture has been fulfilled. Today, this scripture has been fulfilled. It was a prophecy given by Isaiah that had sat unfulfilled for the previous 700 years. 700 years that's a long time you know our country hasn't even been around for 700 years but that morning it was fulfilled jesus was saying i'm the one this speaks of i'm the one this is talking about i'm the one who's been anointed to heal the brokenhearted and to set the captives free you know he wasn't quoting isaiah he was quote you know it, it, he was quoting what Isaiah had heard about, heard from him, basically, and about him 700 years before. The people couldn't believe what they were hearing, right? They were like, they're going, you know, they're like, you know, what's going on here? Isn't this Joseph's son? You know, isn't this, you know, you know, isn't this the guy that built your fence? You know, it's like... Hey, is, you know, didn't Jesus build that cart for you? You know, or like my kids would say, isn't this the bull that, you know, made that John and fixed that drawn? You know, that's what that's how they would say it. But this is what they're saying. You know, like, hey, you know what? These guy, this guy, we know this guy. We know this kid. It's like, can he really be the Messiah? He's like, he couldn't be him. Could he? You know, yet no one has spoken like this before. How gracious were his words. That's what they were saying. The truth is, is that there's never has been or will be no one like Jesus Christ. No one. From his birth to his life, to his death, to his resurrection, there's no one like Jesus. No one. But before Jesus came, you know, people have been wondering what God is really like. Now, there have been over, there have been 400 years of silence in terms of no recognized prophet declaring the will of God. 400 years, you know, that's a long time. Again, a long time. People have been waiting. Now, you can imagine what people thought, you know, does does God hate us? Does God hate us? Is he sick of us? You know, will will he come to judge does he care about what we go through, you know, down here on earth? And then God became a man. And he came. And he would, and we could see what he was like. When he came, we could see what he was like. He came for the poor, the afflicted, the brokenhearted, the captive, the sinners. He came to set them free. He came. He became a man. Um, we could, so we can see what he was like, and he was basically far better and amazing than we had thought. It's way better than we could have, we could have imagined. Now we have joy and thanksgiving due to the one we serve. You know, sometimes you see yourself and you, you see your sin and you, and you see what, how you failed God and you think that God must be, you know, getting to the end of, of his rope with you. Like, you, you're like, you know, he's just done with you. And yet you find yourself blessed. You find yourself blessed. And all you can think of, think is like, who is this God? Who is this God that I serve? Who is this God that we serve? So, What was Jesus' ministry? What did he come here to do? He came to proclaim the good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, to release the, from darkness to, from, for the prisoners, you know, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You know, he came to preach the good news to the poor. Jesus announces that he's here to heal damaged, the, 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 the damage that sin brings. Sin has has done great damage, so there needs to be a great work of redemption. Amen? You You know, because sin impoverishes, he will preach good news to the poor. Because sin breaks hearts, he will bind up or heal the brokenhearted. Because sin makes captives, he will proclaim freedom to the captives. An opening of the prisons of or for for those who are bound, those who are who are in captivity. Because sin oppresses, he will proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. If Jesus is Son of God, you know, excuse me, God, God the Son, perfect in both his his humanity and his, his his deity, you know, needed the spirit of the Lord God, how much more do we? We need it even more so. You know, it says, because the Lord has anointed me. The word anoint, you know, basically means to rub or sprinkle on, you know, you know apply, apply ointment, you know, or, or oily liquid to. You know, pers- people in the Old Testament, you know, were anointed with oil. For example, priests were anointed for their special services, you know, to the Lord. You know, literally oil would be applied, but as a sign... It was a sign uh, of the Holy Spirit upon their lives and service, right? The oil on the head was only the outward representation of the real spiritual work going on inside of them. And uh, as Christians, you know, as believers under the new covenant, we also have an anointing. You know, in 1 John uh, 2.20 it says, but you you have an anointing from the Holy Spirit. You know, in the New Testament sense, anointing is, is being filled with and blessed by the Holy Spirit. You know, this is something that is um, the common property of all believers, of all Christians. But some, is something that we can and should become more submitted and, and responsive to. But why would God give us his anointing? Why did God give us his spirit? You know, Jesus said that God had anointed him to preach the gospel, and God has anointed us, has called us, to preach the gospel too, to share the good news. You know, in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen and 20, it says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's what Jesus said. That's our mission, right? We need to go preach the gospel because he and he has anointed us to do so. the Holy Spirit fills us, and we can do that. you know, and God has indwelled us you know or filled us with His spirit and sent us out to preach the gospel to the poor. We're supposed to preach to the poor. And these aren't those who are financially poor. Yes, sometimes it is, yes. But Jesus said, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Right? So Jesus is referring to those who are spiritually bankrupt and need the Lord. poor is not all about money. poor is about your spiritual uh, well-being as well. And we, like Jesus, are also sent to, <laughs> for the healing of the brokenhearted, to bind up the brokenhearted. You know, brokenhearted comes from the Greek word that means to crush completely, to shatter, to break into pieces, you know, uh, to, to, to bruise, to, to, to broken to, to shivers, to br- all different kinds of pieces broken up. You know, because of personal sin and circumstances that come as a result of living in sin, in a sin-cursed world, you know, people are crushed. Their lives are shattered. You know, they are pieces, you know, and bruised. Our mission is to present Jesus as the potter, just like in Jeremiah 18.4, who desires to put one's life together again. That's what we're supposed to do. And like Jesus, you know, we were sent to proclaim freedom to the captives. People, you know, people without Jesus Christ are, are, are held captive to sin. They're held captive by Satan. Like Jesus, we are, we are charged with proclaiming liberty to the captives you know paul writes to timothy you know telling him in in 2nd timothy 2 24 and 26 it says you know and the lord and, and the lord's servant must not be quarrelsome but must be kind to everyone able to teach not resentful you know opponents must must be gently instructed in the hope that god will grant them repentance leading them to a knowledge of the truth And that they will will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. We need to go out and preach. We need to set the captives free. That's what we're called. Jesus was called to do it. That's what we're called to do as well. We're also um, uh, also sent to, to proclaim recovery of sight to the blind. In 2 Corinthians 4, (coughs) excuse me, and even our gospel, it says in verse 3 and 4, it says, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. People can't see. People are blind because of sin. They they are blind because Satan has blinded their minds. You know they know nothing of the forgiveness of God. They know nothing of the love of God. They know nothing of the peace of God. They know nothing of the power of God. They cannot see. They can't see. They're blind. And God has called us to proclaim recovery of sight to the blind. Jesus says it this way. He says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's how Jesus puts it. No, we are sent to preach the good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovery of sight to the blind. And we we are also sent to release prisoners from darkness. To release the prisoners from darkness. No, this is different than, um, uh, than proclaiming freedom for the captives. Proclaiming freedom from the captives is like yelling, you know, the building's on fire. The building's on fire, you know. This is the old-fashioned preaching, you know, that, you, that declares you're sinners, you know. You're, 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 you're in sin, but Jesus saves. You know, you're in bondage, but Jesus uh, delivers. That's what, that's what proclaiming freedom to the captives is like. But the release from darkness of the prisoners is different. It's more than standing declaring the good news. It's more than standing outside a burning building and yelling the building's on fire. It's rushing in and rescuing someone who has fainted, you know, or maybe they just can't get out. It's you rushing in to to go rescue. Like Jesus, we are sent to release prisoners from darkness. You know, for, uh, for some, God calls, you know, calls... Calls us to go get them, go in and get them. You know, this is what foreign missions is. Uh, you know, are about. You know, basically, you know, leaving your com- leaving your comfort zone, entering to, into a strange land, and, and setting it, You know, uh, liberty, setting at liberty those who are oppressed. But it's not just for foreign missions. We used to have the sign out on our on our door as we're leaving. You know, the the, the building, and said, you know, you're now uh, entering the mission field. Because you are entering the mission field. You no, know, it's getting out of your comfort zone uh, you know, to reach the lost. It's your, na- it's, in your na- it's your neighborhood that you live in. Your school, you know, Kensington and Allegheny. Right? Nobody really wants to go there. But that's what we're called to do. The many college campuses in this in the city, you know, everywhere you go, that's where we're supposed to be going. That's what we're supposed to be doing. It's the kind of drive and determination that we need, that we must have to reach the lost. We got to have it to reach the lost. That was Jesus's mission, and this should be ours as well. This should be our vision for 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 this church, for the for the for the church in general. <clears throat> You know, we've been given a mission already. Our mission is therefore to go make disciples of, of all nations. If we will obey the, that's the Great Commission, right? If we obey the Great Commission, we will see the vision with Jesus' commission that, uh come to pass. Of Jesus' mission come to pass, we will see it happen. Because if we go and make disciples of all nations, then the gospel will be be preached to the poor, right? it will be preached to the poor, the brokenhearted will be healed, the captives will be set free, the spiritually blind will be able to see, and those oppressed will will experience freedom. That's if we go and make disciples of people, do the things that we're called to do. But Isaiah goes on, it goes on, right? Sorry. Isaiah goes on, and he says, we're only on on verse 2, right? Wow. All right. Isaiah goes on, and he says, in Isaiah 61, 2, he says, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. When Jesus quoted this passage in the synagogue, he stopped mid-sentence. A lot of people don't know that. But he did, he stopped mid-sentence. You know, he stopped after saying it was a favorable year of the Lord and didn't mention the day of vengeance at all. He didn't mention that at all. Yes, there is a day of vengeance, you know, but that day of vengeance has not come yet. Note that it mentions a year of the Lord's favor and only a day of vengeance. You know, we're still in a period known, you know, as a year of the Lord's favor. But I want to make mention of uh, the last part of the verse, you know, because it's a reason to rejoice. He comforts those who mourn. He comforts those who mourn. We think of comfort as like an old man or a woman, you know, they're patting a young kid on her on the, on head saying, you know, everything is okay, you'll be okay, everything's all right, you know. That's how we picture that. But it's more than that. You know, God comes alongside of us. You know, he's with us. You know, his presence and companionship strengthens us. You know, I hope and, I, you know, I'm sure that, that, that you can think of times in your life when, when you have experienced this. You know, and here's the awesome part, right? Isaiah goes on some more, and he goes in verse 3, he says, "...and provide for those who grieve in Zion." To bestow on them the crown of beauty uh, instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of the spirit of despair. That's awesome. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planning for the Lord for the display of his splendor. This is the great exchange, right? Right? This is awesome. The gospel, the good news, is all about the great exchange. It's not about a self-improvement trip, right? Everybody's talking about, you know, oh, we have to, whatever. You know, self-improvement. This is what this world's all about. You know, nowadays it seems like self-improvement. It's not about, you know, and it's not about, you know, you trying to pull up, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. It's not about that at all. It's about exchanging what God is for what you are not. What God is for what we are not. That's what this is about. That's what the gospel is about. You know, the greatest of all exchanges is given in in 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God, the greatest exchange ever. You know, our verse here in Isaiah has three exchanges that he talks about. You know, and these exchanges, you know, they govern a person's emotional and mental well-being. It says, instead of ashes and of mourning, he gives this people beauty. Instead of, mour- you know, instead of mourning itself, he gives his people the oil of joy. Instead of the spirit of heaviness or despair, you know, he gives his people the garment of praise. Why do we sit in ashes? You know, why do we mourn? Why do we indulge the spirit of heaviness when Jesus gave us something so much better? He gives us something so much better. The word beauty has, has, you know, the word beauty here has a, has in the mind a, a beautiful crown or a head ornament. It's translated exquisite hats, right? In Isaiah 30, in, in Exodus thirty-nine, in a headdress in Isaiah in Isaiah three, in mourning, ashes would be cast on on upon the head, right? They put ash, they'll throw ashes on their head when they're in mourning. You know, here the ashes are replaced with a beautiful crown. That's awesome. That's awesome. We play a part in this, though. If all we ever do is think about what's wrong and moan to God and others about the condition, our condition, then it's quite likely that you know the spirit of heaviness will remain. We need to put on the garment of praise. We need to put on a garment of praise. Sometimes our thinking must be changed. You know, God will give comfort. But he doesn't want us to, you know, be spiritual babies for our whole life either. You know, he wants us to find our strength in him, just as David had had to learn to do as well. You know, in 1 Samuel uh, 36, you know, David, it says, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking about, talking of stoning him, right? Wow. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. The spirit of heaviness is so widespread in our, to- in our time, in our day, right? So many are being weighed down, so many dealing with anxiety, you know, so many suffering from depression. And we, and we, we are bombarded you know, through increased pressure and increased busyness and increased stress. You know? That's what this world is like. You know? It's all the stress that's on us. You know, again, King David knew of the spirit of happiness. He knew of the pressure. He knew of depression. He knew of anxiety. That you know, that even the anxiety like we face today. You know, and it, he knew. He also knew what it was like to be freed from this. You know, in in Psalm forty, you know, one of my favorite songs. I mean, as I'm, you know. All these different verses, I mean, there's, also, there's a song that goes along with every single one of them, you know, and even other things, too. So I just want to let you guys know. I'm just holding myself back. But, uh, <laughs> um, you know, in, in Psalm 40, it says, you know, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. God gives us new songs. No songs of praise. See? See? That's what he does. You know? It's a reason for our thankfulness, which is awesome. And then he goes on, he says, They will be called oaks of righteousness. You know, as a result, this makes the people oaks of righteousness. You know, oaks are, conti- are consistently used as symbols of, of, of certainty and confidence in the Bible. You know, oaks have, have, have deep roots. And so thus the poor, the brokenhearted, the bound, and the captives are turned into oaks of righteousness. People are, that are sure and, and confident. This arises only because of planting of the Lord, because only he can do it. Only he can do it. You know, the restored place of God's people is glorious. It's glorious. They're strong and beautiful and as useful as trees. And Isaiah goes on. Isaiah 61, 4-5, he says, They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long, long devastated. They will renew the, re- <coughs> the ruined cities and have been, that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks, and foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. You know, the immediate context of this verse, the rest- restoration when, uh, of, of Israel when Jesus returns, you know, God will restore all things you know on this earth but thank god that, <laughs> that he's a god who does this in our lives today right he restores us today you know he does this in our lives though so what we what we have ruined he can rebuild what we have wrecked he can restore that which we have broken he can he can repair you know there's testimony after testimony, you know, of brothers and sisters in this community, you know, uh, that 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 we know here, you know, where God has has, has done miracles. And we see miracles of how God has restored lives. I mean, we hear Howard's testimony often, you know, in in Elliot, where Elliot's been like, you know, pretty much dead, right, <laughs> being shocked and. And Jose's Jose's testimony, I mean, there are countless testimonies in in this body, just in this body of believers, you know, but there's so many others as well. Now, I may not have that same type of testimony, that radical testimony, but God is in a restoration and rebuilding business today. And I thank God that he is. He does it with all of us. He can do it with all of us, you know. And so he goes on, Isaiah goes on. Sorry, I'm not, not going to be too long. So Isaiah goes on, and he goes in, in verses 6 and 7, he says, And you will be called priests of the Lord, and you will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations, and their riches will, you will boast. Instead of uh, your shame, you will receive double portion. Instead of disgrace, you will be rejoiced in your inheritance, and you will inherit a double portion in the land and everlasting joy will be yours. Did you know you're a priest? You know, even the New Testament calls us, you know, priests. First uh, Peter, two nine, right? You're, you're, it says, you know, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You know, see. Only, re- sorry. Here comes another song because I'm remember. I, I know it because of this. <laughs> it's a song we used to sing years ago. When it, you know, is you're a chosen race, of royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people people of God's own possession, that we may declare His excellencies. Right. I was going to sing that for you, but I didn't. I'm not going to do it. You know. But that's a song we used to sing years ago um, here at Living Word. But that's who we are. You know. But this in this verse, it talks about you know talks about the future as well, the coming kingdom, and so we turn our thoughts to thankfulness now uh, of what's to come. Lots of good things here, you know. We're, we're ministers of God, receiving wealth in a double portion, but but know how it ends for this. Uh, uh, you know, it talks about every, it, ends here, it, it talks about everlasting joy will be theirs. Right? Really? Everlasting joy. Everlasting joy. Is this an exaggeration? You know, we think. You know, will joy actually come? Will Will this joy actually come to an end? No, it won't. It means what it says, and it says what it means. Everlasting joy. That's another song. More. I need to stop this. <laughs> um, uh, huh? Oh, no, no, it's okay. No. <laughs> you don't want to hear me sing. <laughs> but everlasting joy, you know, it could only come to an end if God did. Because he is and he gives this joy. And God doesn't end. Because that means it's everlasting, Right? David also knew of this and said in Psalm 1611, he says, You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Eternal pleasures. Everlasting joy will be upon your head. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> sorry. Um, so let's let's uh, let's end. All right. So it, it, he goes on. It, Isaiah goes on. He says, you know, in Isaiah sixty-one, ten through eleven, he says, "I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for He has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me with a with a robe of His righteousness." as a bridegroom adores his head like a, like, like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with, with her jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up, and the, and the garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. And I read this story about a man who visited a club and he was surprised to see three men and a dog playing cards. And after watching for a while, he asked, can that dog really play cards? You know, the one guy says, sure can. So, said, wow, the man said, that's incredible. He says, nah, not really a good player, he replied. He's not very good. Whenever he gets a good hand, you can't help but wag his tail. Right. The writer went on to say, though, that you and I are holding a good hand. We're holding a good hand. We are God's elect. We are God's people, his chosen race, his royal priesthood. How can we not help but show our hand? We need to show our hand. Show our thankfulness. Show our joy. We have a lot to be thankful for. As we see these things, we should be wagging our tails, so to speak. But I'm also mindful that, you know, life is hard in the times we're living in. More than ever before, you know... People are tired and weary. And sometimes there's a spirit of heaviness that weighs us down through prolonged hardships and difficulty. So we should also pray for those who are you know, experiencing difficulties as well. But, but God, as we have read, can give us a new song. He can give us a new song a song of praise to our God and a garment of praise to replace the spirit of heaviness that we may feel because he's such, such a good God. We need to show our hand, amen? Tell people about the Lord. Share the good things that he's done. You know, Marie and I were talking last night. Last night, well, yesterday was our anniversary, twenty second anniversary. Um, I didn't say that to you know get applause, but okay, yeah, you can pray. No, you can. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but uh, we were talking last night, and we were we were just talking about um, uh, evangelism. You know, how a lot of times we're we're sh- we're 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 scared to um, to share. Uh, uh, with people, Because we think that we need to know all these verses. And we need to know all these different things. And I'm like, no. I, I said to her, I was like, no. We need to just share what the Lord has done to us. You know, be authentic. And, and, and we can see, and people will see how much the, the, the Lord cares for them. Because they see it in you. And you're speaking from your heart. And so, as we as we leave here as we go live our lives, make sure, make sure that you're sharing the gospel. Make sure that you are um, biting up the brokenhearted. Make sure that you're preaching to the poor. Make sure that you are um, setting the captives free. Make sure that you are opening the eyes of the blind. That's what he's called us to do. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you for your goodness. Again, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for what you've come to do, what you came to do, Lord God. And I just thank you, Lord, that we are uh, called by your name. We are your people, Lord, and we're filled with your spirit. Lord, you've given us the strength, Lord. You've given us the, uh, uh, Lord, you've given us everything that we need. fulfill the mission that you've called us to, to 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 fulfill what you've called us to do. So Lord God, we just uh I just thank you for everyone here, Lord. I just thank you, Lord, that um we can go out and be light, Lord, in life in this world that we live in, this city that we live in, Lord God let give you praise and honor. Amen.